welcome to this week's Strange Pathways. Thank you so much for being patient. I uh, had a bad day yesterday. Had a bit of a bad day today too, but I'm feeling feeling a lot better, a lot more up to this. About two years ago, I tripped, put my foot through a glass window that was propped up against the wall in storage. The cut was bad. The cut was very bad. I uh, I lost two pints of blood, nicked an artery. And uh, the pain in that foot, I know it's been two years, but the pain in that foot is still quite substantial. <clears throat> it's It's been debilitating. It's been debilitating. And now because... I walk a bit differently than I did before the accident. Uh, my my left foot is going through a lot of pain. And oddly enough, even though my right foot hurt, it was really my left foot that put me down yesterday. So I do thank you all for being patient. On to today's tales. Our first tale is going to take us all the way back a few years. Southern Arizona Desert. This uh, this comes from Kyle and Cam at Expanded Perspectives, an absolutely amazing podcast. I uh, in some of my recuperation yesterday, I did I did enjoy a few episodes of Expanded Perspectives. Please, please go check that podcast out. It's it's absolutely fantastic. A gentleman got in contact with Cam and Kyle and explained that a few years ago he had gotten a call from his brother in Arizona. Hey, do you want to visit? Do some hiking? Go out and grab a bite to eat? His, his brother had explained that he'd just gotten a big bonus at work, and he missed, he missed him. He wanted to spend a couple of, couple of days with him. He has vacation time saved up. And you know what? If you got a great brother, that's what you do. The gentleman takes some time off and goes down there and meets his brother. And they do have a grand time of it. They, they tour around Phoenix and Chandler and Tempe, go out, see some sights, eat some really good food. About two days into that, they, they decide to visit Sedonia and a few other areas. They want to do something outside, though. Now, they'd already gone hiking, but he, he wanted to do something else outdoorsy. Where, where this gentleman's from, the weather was very, very Johnstown, Pennsylvania-ish. It was snowing, raining, miserable. And so they decide to go camping. They, uh, they find a decent little place in southern Arizona. It's, it's near the border and not too far off from where they had hiked the day before. So it's, it's something that these two gentlemen are very, very familiar with. It's, it's a comfortable area, and it's desert. There's plenty of land. They can just stretch out, relax, get away from everybody and everything. Listen to a little bit of music, chat, and they, they bring along the usual thing. They bring along flashlights, flares, radio, tents, food, water, and they're only going to be gone a day, evening, night, 
they only bring the barest necessities. They park their truck. They, they walk a half mile into the desert to their campsite. They, they, they even explain they wanted to keep a camping atmosphere, but be able to get to their truck relatively quickly. They finish dinner, gather up their trash. It's about 10, 10 at night, 10 p.m. And that's whenever they both see something to the north. It's, it's a mound in the desert. But they're starting to notice this thing is a moving mound. Every, every couple of seconds, it just kind of gets a little bit closer to them. It's not, it's not a smooth motion. It's steady lurches. Like, flump. And then stop. Flump. Stop. It's the same color as the sand. But even, even that, that half a mile away, they can tell that it isn't made of sand. They said the surface, it was fuzzy. It's, it's uncomfortable to look at. The, the, man, the man stares at this thing for a couple of seconds. And then he looks over to his brother. And his brother, it's, it's uncomfortable. His brother's wincing. He's rubbing his eyes and... The urge to rub his own eyes is there. They're they're terrified. They stay put. And this thing keeps lurching forward, stopping. Lurching, stop. Lurch, stop. And they're paralyzed there. Until this thing is only a few yards away. It's huge. It towers over them. The witness says that he's, he's fairly certain that the flatness of the area makes it seem larger than what it actually is. But... Whatever this thing is, it's enormous. Every time the, the witness and his brother get together after this experience, they try to remember. They try to describe what they saw and they come up with new descriptions. It's... The only thing they can actually settle on is that it's a huge and dry washcloth. And yes, that does sound odd. They admit that sounds very, very odd. They, they come up with other descriptions. A uh, hideously blossoming flower. Uh, ugly petals unfurled. Some larger than others. No real center. 
There are no eyes. There are no feelers. No antenna. No identifiable organs of sense. There's no ears. There's no eyes. There's just it. He he says, if you wanted to replicate whatever this thing is, if you wanted to replicate the the way it was the way it was looking its structure take a ball of light brown clay pull it in every direction and then insert tiny pins all over its surface thousands of them make those pins vibrate Make the dough buzz, a breath-like movement. They stare at this thing without speaking. They're feeling fear, but it's more than just fear. It's a deep fear. It's a sickness. It's not queasy, but it's more like delirious. Almost as if they're having a stroke. Some sort of brain issue. He's, he's certain now, looking back on the experience, that his mind was just unable to fully understand what it was seeing. One of the parts of the creature, whether you want to call it a tendril, a glob, a pseudopod, a tentacle... It drifts by the witness. The witness feels the space around him shift. The witness becomes highly sensitive to how the stuff of that space had been drawn away from him. And this now is scaring him much more than whatever this creature actually is. It's bending reality. This is Lovecraftian. The witness hears his brother kind of stifle a cry. And this is where the witness is able to break that stare. He looks over at his brother. And he sees another part of this nightmare pass over his head. This time, it's much larger than the one that swept over him. He's kind of mentally associating it at this time with tentacles, octopus, starfish, some sort of multi-legged sea creature. But he admits this isn't close enough. The witness turns to his brother. And says, don't move. The brother doesn't nod, doesn't mouth anything back. They have disagreements about how much time they were in this thing's presence. But 
they can agree that somewhere between 20 and 45 seconds. Twenty and forty-five seconds of sheer mind-bending terror. But the creature does pass. The two men wait several, several minutes before turning to each other. The brothers turn around after the creature passes, and there's nothing. It's it's nothing but flat desert. They can see the truck half a mile away, right where they parked it. But they do see the sand disturbed. A path like something huge had crawled by. There are no droppings, no slime. Nothing to suggest that there was a living creature ever there. The two men spend the rest of the night only speaking to one another when they need something. They don't even turn on the radio. They have earphones. Neither of them bother to use them. They just sit for hours in silence. In the morning, they packed up their things. They walked back to the truck quietly and drive back to the brother's house. They eat a goodbye breakfast at a diner. And then the witness flies back home. It bothered the two men so much that they didn't discuss it for an entire year. It took both men one year to process what happened. The witness ends with saying he didn't know what he saw. But it's the last time he'll ever go to Arizona. Our next case is going to take us all the way back to September 16th, 1994. Rua, Zimbabwe. Now, Rua, it's, it's a small farming village about 22 kilometers southeast of the Zimbabwean capital of Herer. It was little more than a crossroads at the time. But the school that we're going to Aerial school. It's an expensive private school. In fact, most of the pupils at Aerial school are from wealthy white families in Herrera. Now, two days before this, there have been a number of UFO sightings throughout South Africa. Bright fireballs passing through the night sky comet-shaped things, what, what people are interpreting as, as meteors. Some explanations of what they were seeing that were put forth was that witnesses had been seeing the re-entry of the Zenit 2 rocket from the Cosmos 2290 satellite launch. 
There are 62 children. It's morning break. They're out in the schoolyard playing. They look up, these school children, and they see a large silver craft and then four other craft around that. Four smaller craft. It comes down on a hill beyond that schoolyard. The children have been told, you do not go to this hill. It is out of bounds. The boundary for you guys, it's the edge of the schoolyard. But these children are curious. They run to the edge of the schoolyard. They want to see what this thing is. And whenever they get to the edge of the schoolyard, 62 children see a small creature walk around on top of this craft. And then another creature comes down to look at the children. He's dressed all in black, very, very tight suit. He has big eyes. The children said his, his eyes were big like rugby balls. These children had direct eye contact with this entity. And there was some sort of communication. The children get images about what humanity is doing to the planet. The destruction we're causing. Not all of them get it. Some of them. Some of the children are terrified. Some of them are really, really excited. Interestingly enough, the the children that were the most traumatized were the ones in the very front of the group. These children, they go screaming back to their teachers. And the teachers, of course, the teachers don't believe them at first. But then the children go home. They tell their parents. The parents come down to the school and they go, my kid's kid's crying constantly. He won't go to sleep. He's scared. What happened? Soon afterwards, the children are asked to draw pictures of what they'd seen. Each child draws these pictures separately but the drawings which if you want to see some of them they'll be up on the strange pathways facebook page the drawings are pretty much all the same this case it did grab some attention in november of the same year john mack who really really had an interest in alien abduction phenomenon. John Mack, Harvard University professor of psychiatry, visits the aerial school, interviews the witnesses. What did Mack come up with? He comes up with, this experience may have been real. Harvard issued a statement 14 months later saying that 
Mac has academic freedom to study what he wishes and to state his opinions without impediment. And to Harvard's credit, they said that Dr. Mack remains a member in good standing of the Harvard Faculty of Medicine. Quite brave. Quite brave of Harvard. Bravo. During the interviews, one fifth grader tells, tells Mack he was warned that something was about to happen. That pollution mustn't be. Uh, another student, an 11-year-old girl, told Mac, I think they want people to know that we're actually making harm in this world and we mustn't get too technologed. Her word. Another child said that he was told the world would end because they're not taking care of the planet. Some of these... Some of these children, they believed that what they saw were tikaloshes, which are folkloric fairy kind of that area. A tikalosh, it's, it's a dwarf kind of water sprite. It's mischievous. It's evil. And it can become invisible by drinking water or swallowing stones. Now, I hate to get political. It shouldn't even be politicized. But I do believe that we are destroying this planet. I just have to look around. And whether or not we're responsible for global warming, that's, that's not the point. We, humanity, industry, us... We are destroying the planet. It does need to stop. It's not only may it not be safe to live on this planet for our children's children, but we're ramping it up so effectively, it may not be safe for us soon. It does frighten me, though that these entities are very, very concerned with what we do to, the, to this planet. I have two theories about that. The more benign theory is that these creatures, they're not extraterrestrial. They're crypto-terrestrial. They're a separate civilization from us. The same way a goldfish does not realize that there's an entire human civilization out there. There might be something so far beyond us that we don't realize it's there. But the darker side of this is that maybe these entities don't want us to destroy what they want to take. What they see as theirs. Charles Fort did say, the earth is a farm 
and we are someone else's cattle. Our last tale comes to us from the wonderful phantomsandmonsters.com. It's, it's one of the very few websites that I visit every single day. My websites are, that I go to every single day, I go to phantomsandmonsters.com. I go to the X-Boards on 4chan. I go to a couple pages on Reddit, High Strangeness, UFOB, Church of Charles Fort, and ridiculously enough, TFW 2005. I, I love Transformers, but that has no bearing on what we're doing here. It's just the one website I do go to every single day. The witness writes into Phantoms and Monsters, saying that he lives in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Every summer, they do see ghost hunters there. Of course you would. It's Sleepy Hollow. The Headless Horseman. I actually have a friend that lives in Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Evan, if you're listening to this, hey, how you doing? This is... This is the winter of last year. This, this group of friends, they're playing paintball. A group of 10 players. They play for about an hour. They run out of paintballs. And they decide, okay, fun, fun's not over. Let's just relax. Let's go to the rock bridge. We're going to go build a fire. They usually do that. The witness's brother and the witness, they hear something to the right. There are leaves on the trees. There's snow on the ground. The moon's bright. And they see a deer. But not a deer. It's not normal looking. It has no tail. The eyes are way too far apart. It smells of decomposition. It smells of death. The witness leans over and goes, don't make a sound. The witness's brother, he doesn't believe in ghosts, doesn't believe in fairy tales, but he sees this thing. And is beside himself. The not deer. It sees them. It screams at them. Now the rest of the people hear this. And they're wondering why these two men are freaking out. They run past them screaming, let's go, let's go, now, now. And then the rest of the group sees the not deer and take off with them. This not deer is fast. They're running down the aqueduct trail. They run for about a mile. It takes them 10 minutes to get back to the road. They see the light on the road, but this 
thing, this not deer, is right behind them. And it's still screaming at them. They get to the street light. The light on the road, the deer stops. It won't go into the light. It's just looking at them and screaming. Some people come out of their house, neighbors. They come out. They, they start cussing at this group of 10 people for all the noise that they're making and saying, I've called the cops, which honestly, to me, if I hear I've called the cops after this thing's been chasing me, that's a relief. But then the neighbor sees the not deer and runs inside screaming. The cops show up. The thing takes off. The brother and the witness took a picture of this thing. They show the cops the picture. The cops tell them, don't come out here at night. The witness's cousin is a cop in Sleepy Hollow. He's one of the cops that responded that night. Like this group of 10, like the neighbor, that cop is still scared to drive up there at night. Lon Strickler kind of leaves this story with a note saying, there were photos provided by the witness. I cannot find the photos. I would love to be able to show you these photos. I would love to be able to link these photos to you. So if anybody out there has a copy of the Sleepy Hollow Not Deer photos, please get in touch with me. StrangePathwaysMail at gmail.com I would love to see these photos. Thank you once again for joining us here at Strange Pathways. Please head on over to our Facebook page. Check out some of the images relating to the tales that we've spoken about today. If you'd like to get in touch with me, strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. And as always, thank you to everybody out there who is getting the word out about this podcast. I'm seeing the numbers go up. I'm seeing the subscriber count on YouTube go up. We are one short, one subscriber short of 4,600 subscribers on YouTube. I know that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but boy, it does my heart good. Get out there. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Go on to message boards. Let people know. I've got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's a great podcast. Go to bed late at night and pull the covers up tight and go to sleep scared podcast. Thank you once again for joining me again this week. Take care of yourselves and each other. (laughs) 